0: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Great Canadian Hockey Podcast. We got episode 12, the uh the over talked about, uh ridiculously aforementioned over and over again episode 12. Um yeah, I don't remember the exact stat, but most it's like something around 85-90% of podcasts don't make it to episode 12. So here we are. We are we're in that five or ten percent, and I'm damn proud of it. I feel good. I uh We've uh we've been feeling a little more loose. It's been a little bit more fun doing this. Like I have been having fun from the start, but uh it, like the last couple of episodes we recorded, I we finished recording and I'm like, Aiden, that was a banger. Like that that one was good. Like the la- every episode it just feels like it gets better and better. So uh yeah, I mean uh I just mentioned my co host Aiden Sarah. How you doing, buddy? What's new with you?
1: Not much. Kind of a kind of a slow week in general, nothing up really. Uh, this weekend, either watching obviously the the fair share of hockey, paying attention to our storylines, etc. I went and I watched uh, the Rebels game live and in person last night. They played a very good Winnipeg Ice team. So not only did I get to watch Zach Benson, who we're going to have, uh, I'll, I'll I'll talk about Benson later, but Carson Lambo, Zach Ostapchuk, Connor Geeky, Matthew Savoy, all on that Winnipeg Ice team, and they were all fantastic. So it was a good experience to go and
0: Savoy, Savoy. Savoy. I'm, he, it's so hard to get it right it
1: is because well he's from alberta too so the french pronunciation not being the case for a kid from alberta makes sense um i'm european so i i always err on the side of the the european pronunciations of names rather than the anglicized versions of them um even working like for the valley west giants last year there was a kid and his name his last name was pronounced soars it's spelt s o a r-e-s and that's a portuguese name that's pronounced suarez and i'm portuguese so i look at that name it's like that says suarez (laughs) and again the anglicized version is sore so i said it wrong for the first game and then i was corrected after
0: yeah it'll happen you know like it's i'm a i'm a pronunciation freak and and i i'll get stuff wrong the first few times like i remember uh when laugh was coming into the league, I didn't want to call him Lafreniere. I wanted to call him Lafrenier, and I and that, that's not it. That's just not it. it. Took me a couple tries, but I got it. But me myself, not a ton new with me. I uh got to go to one of my favorite bars last night, El Guapo in Town, great spot. Uh, if Bianca's your server, former classmate of ours. She's awesome. She'll do a great job. Um. Yeah, I ate some tacos, tried some of the best nachos. Uh, I've had them a few times. They do their nachos with a queso fondue cheese. So it's like like blended and like boiled in with all the spices and everything. And then when it dries, it's just, oh, oh man, like just, just such quality stuff. Great vibe there. Good spot. Whether you got just a couple people, whether you got a group up to 10, it's just it's it's everything you want for that sit down bar vibe that's that's just the best. TVs in there if you want to go watch sports. It's uh it's pretty ideal. Um but right now I'm just watching the uh watching the Bengals play the Chiefs when it goes to the Super Bowl. It's uh I'm not a huge football guy, but I like the big games and I love the storylines. We've we've gone on and on before about how much I love sports and why I love sports, the storylines. It's the following, it's the the emotion behind it all. And this is damn near as big as a game as they get. So there's there's definitely a lot of emotion. We're uh, two minutes left of the fourth quarter right now. So, I mean, <laughs> the game's going to end while we're recording this. So uh, I will have some reaction. I'm definitely cheering for Joe Burrow because that guy's sick. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much all new that I got going on. Just working lots, living, eating, relaxing. It's just uh, life's pretty good. I uh, I know that there's one thing right off the hop that uh, that Aiden Sarah the well known Canucks fan wants to talk about. Take it away, brother.
1: Well, we did our like uh, we did our wishes in hockey for the year of 2023, and I one of mine was Andre Kuzmenko signs a contract extension in Vancouver, and um and you had kind of said um, I don't remember what one of mine was, but it was also like a little bit of a – it was definitely – none of my three were guarantees. And, in fact, I would say that Kuzmenko I, – oh, I got my three. So it was Kuzmenko signs. It was we get some sort of answer on a best-on-best, best, something concrete, something on paper signed, it's going to happen. And then number three was a resolution to the 2018 World Junior um team uh, case. And I think I said that I was more confident in – Kuzmenko signing and the resolution to the case and I was on best on best and you were kind of like I don't think Kuzmenko is going to sign with Vancouver and I the all the signs that kind of pointed to you being right for a little while um, but I am very happy they signed him. The contract to 5-5 five, five for two years is actually a really good number for him especially when you look at the production 21 goals and 43 points in 48 games this year has been really good um, I also think it's a good thing for Vancouver because it's going to kind of at least persuade it's going to be a little bit extra for Elias Petterson to stay because those two players have played enough together this year and connected enough that uh, you can see the chemistry you can see they enjoy playing with each other you can see them on the bench they're always communicating and it's always positive between them so i think not only is it good that Kuzmenko's staying it's good for Petterson who's going to get a new contract in the uh, in not too distant future as well
0: yeah, you know, like when you have a line mate that you have that great a chemistry with, it's it's going to make everything in the sport more fun. Just coming to the rink, practice, games. You're going to be more competitive. You're going to want to be pulling off awesome stuff with that guy. I imagine, like, they're they're both really interesting personalities. So I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for their conversations in the dressing room, on the bus, on the plane, whatever. Like, Kuzmenko just seems so quirky. And I love that. He's just such a good personality to have around in an otherwise pretty not awesome storyline-filled season. He's uh, he's definitely a bright spot, and I'm happy for you, and I'm happy for Canucks fans that it worked out. And I'm happy I'm going to get to keep seeing him play. The guy's sick.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I texted my dad right away, because uh, it's January 29th as we're recording, and Family Day weekend in BC and Alberta, is the one that starts with the 17th of February, ends with the 20th. Um, and him and my uncle are going to come up to uh, to Red Deer and stay with me for the weekend. And I told him, because I know he's got Canucks tickets with my sister and my mom, I told him I'd uh, I'd e-transfer him the money if he picks me up a Kuzmenko reverse retro jersey at the team store on his way up. What did he say? Is he going to? From the sounds of it, from the sounds of it. I, I hope they're in stock because I don't want to... I don't want to have to bank on ordering it and waiting for it and everything. I want it I want it in my hands. <laughs>
0: uh, you know, I've always wondered, like, imagine if they send you one with the wrong nameplate. Like, you get the number right or you get the name right and then the other one's wrong. Imagine getting that in the mail. Would you keep it because it's funny or would you just uh, send it back?
1: I actually am not a fan of jerseys with anything on the back with the player's name. Um, maybe that's a little bit of a boring take, but I I definitely judge people when I see them walking around with like official jerseys and what's clearly their last name on it. Um, I'm just, I I really, that's a, that's a zero. To yeah, 10. it's gross. I hate it. Yeah. I despise I it. it. <laughs> um, and, and so any sort of not the correct name on the back of the jersey. I don't like like even nicknames, you know, if, if there was precedent that, nicknames win on the back of hockey jerseys like there's one game out of the baseball season where they do that um and if they if the nhl did that i'd be totally okay with it um like just put kuzmeister on the back of his jersey um if he actually wore it in a game i'd be totally okay with it otherwise i just you know i i'm not i'm not a fan of anything but the name so even if it was like a a, a typo i I wouldn't uh i wouldn't really be too fond of it
0: i think stuff like that's only cool for all-star games that's the only place i really i really see that being all right, not for me, not for me at all i uh I don't know i uh, i'm I'm all for fun and innovation, but that's just not it for me whatsoever but you know we uh we've that's a little bit of a tangent, and we do that um <laughs> you know I love talking about this guy in his snap shows uh Jordan Binnington playing against my abs loser <laughs> losing. Banner's losing it. And uh yeah, Scrum goes off to the corner. He's you know, like skates over and he's trying to start stuff. And and the uh, the abs fans are letting him have it. And he's doing the like the the I can't hear you. He like gives them a salute, like a wave at them. He's trying to taunt them. The guy's just snapping all over the place. And then there's the one thing that I notice. Other end of the ice, Alexander Georgiev starts skating out, skating out to the middle. And, like, not the most feisty dude, but he's got some spunk. And, dude, he was totally ready to drop the gear and try and drop Binnington. And I would love to see it. I'd love to see Binnington actually get his fight, get his fight that he so desperately wants. I I just want to see it happen. And I thought, like, I, I almost wanted it to be encouraged the rest of the game. Just make it happen.
1: Well, yeah, and if you watch that game, like, St. Louis's defense is kind of leaving Bennington out to dry for the most part. Um, He wasn't, he wasn't like, I can see why the guy's frustrated again. Like it's, it's, uh, we've, we've had this conversation before. It's just when he comes flying out of his crease and jumps in the corner, that's kind of when it, it, it almost crosses the line into antics for me. Like, it, and again, I, that's kind of why I was like, <laughs> oh, kudos to Georgia for trying to go out and actually give him his fight because Bennington like, you know, like his his cheap shots on Jason Zucker and, and it's it's, um, you know, the the skating past players and pump faking them, pretending to punch them in the face is just, you know, like that's all a clown show to me. And and um, but an honest to God fight, that's what he's, you know, I think and if Alexander Georgiev does his job right hopefully that's what stops Jordan Binnington from continuing on what he's doing. And, you know, I think one time Binnington gets, uh, gets a, <laughs> gets a couple teeth knocked to the back of his throat. Hopefully that will, uh, hopefully that will calm him down a little bit, if anything.
0: I want it to be an absolute mess, just an absolute bloody war out in the middle, like, like just gear all over the place. You get like the the shirt stretched and messed up like blood in the facial hair. Just, I, I, a menacing all-timer of a hockey picture. That's what I want. If it happens, if we get our goalie fight, make it worth it. Don't make it some quick, like, pump, 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 done, refs break it up. Or just fall to the ice and tumble for a sec, and then refs break it up. I don't want to see that. I want to see an all-timer.
1: Yeah, I... You don't see it as much. Like, there was a time in the NHL, I don't remember when it was, but there was genuinely a time where you would have, like, referees preventing fights before they happened and that almost kind of happened in this game like I I, the referee made sure Georgiev turned around and went back to his net and then when Biddington went to the bench to get water the linesman followed him so that there wasn't anything going on between Biddington and Georgiev and you know I I understand why you do that but at the end of the day fighting is penalized with a five-minute major that's been established if the league's rules are going to continue to only penalize fighting with a five minute major, I don't see a reason why you have to prevent it, right? You're going to, the two players are going to get their penalties, right? They're going to serve the time that the rule book says you have to serve when you fight. So I don't know why there's a tendency to prevent that. When the call is automatic, your, your, your punishment is automatic. Um, So I, you know, I, I know why it happens, but it did feel like maybe, We got a little bit robbed of a Georgiev Bennington fight. (laughs) Who do you think would have won? I don't know. Genuinely. Like Jordan Bennington seems to have so much pent up rage that I could just see him going out there seeing red and (laughs) just just losing control. I don't know. Like that's that's I, I I haven't Georgiev's feisty in his own right. He's got actually got his head screwed on straight in contrast to Bennington. So you know, I don't know. I genuinely don't know, and i I, I wish we had the answer by now, but um you know, we were we were <laughs> we had that opportunity taken
0: uh, maybe one day these teams play each other enough, and like uh, and when both teams are good, playoff matchups are totally not out of the question at all. So you know i it, it's definitely possible it could end up happening again. they're They're both under contract for a decent bit. it's it's possible. I'm not going to hold my breath for it because like the league doesn't really want that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that's a bit of a pipe dream, but moving on, there was a bit of a storm of garbage around well, bad things, um, around what Trevor Zegers may or may not have said, um, the, the okay. A little bit of a preamble. Uh, there's a huge scrum. Zegras and Troy Stetcher are kind of close to each other. And then Zegras says something and points upward. And Stetcher, out of character, loses his mind and full on snapshot. It's like, like, I, I, I usually seems like a pretty chill dude. Like, I, I couldn't really picture him that angry. So the what people think is that. Zegers pointed up and and said something about Stetcher's deceased father and uh, I I don't know I'm gonna quickly give my take I don't think he said that me and Aiden actually talked on the phone about this earlier Um, I think the most likely thing is he was pointing up at the scoreboard I don't really like Zegers is definitely like like a funny, entertaining character, and like with that, always comes an ego and saying some interesting things. But I don't, I don't think any of that, <clears throat> any of that really lines up with with saying that about someone's dead father, saying whatever he might have said. I, I don't really think that's it. Uh, I'll, I'll let you take the floor.
1: Well, I can see when you watch the clip and with the benefit of, of replay in YouTube, I like the clip is on YouTube. I went, I not only went and watched it, I, I go, YouTube has the, the convenient in this instance feature that you can just slow it down to a quarter of the speed. So I did that. And I tried to read the lips of Trevor zegris He, I think he clearly says the words up and watching. Now that's all I could really make out. He is pointing up at one point and he's giving like the finger twirl in the air at another point. So I can see why based on that. And then obviously the, the, like you said, out of character visceral reaction, Troy Stetcher has why you can like come to that conclusion that that's, that might've been what he said. Troy Stetcher's father passed away in 2020 in, you know, he was in Vancouver and, and obviously the Canucks market is so fixated on the Canucks that, those kinds of stories are are more prevalent and it's more known so it was a known fact that Troy Stecher's father had passed away um, but uh, Craig Morgan who um is a, is a is a is a journalist in Arizona tweeted out after that I I'll, I'll, and I quote I can confirm um via the coyotes that Anaheim Ford Trevor Zegris did not say anything about Troy Stetcher's father during their dust up last night but Per a team source, he crossed the line with some very inappropriate comments. Stetcher has declined comment on the topic. And I kind of think, you know, if if it's the Coyotes that are going out and saying that they have no obligation to protect Trevor Zegris or his interests, right? They have no obligation to protect the Anaheim Ducks or their interests. I think if the Coyotes are saying that, you know, no matter what you think of Trevor Zegris, no matter what you think of the situation, no matter what you think you saw um, him say on the camera, Unless something else comes out that is countering that, if Trevor, if uh, if Trevor Zegers says something, if Troy Setrus says something, or any of the players in that scrum say something about it, because there's a lot of ears uh, right around that conversation, unless you see something said to the contrary, I think that's kind of what you have to take as fact at this point. Right?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer to an extent. To an extent, I have to make that clear of innocent until proven guilty. I I don't think jumping to the worst conclusion, even though it kind of looks a little bit almost like it, I don't think jumping to the worst conclusion is the right play. I don't think it's really fair. So I think that's really all we have to say on that. We'll probably talk about it again if something comes up about it, but otherwise, otherwise, it's uh, what do they call it a moot point? I always thought it was moot point, and
1: then someone told me it's moot. I don't know. No, what... I, moot moot point is correct. Yeah. What does moot mean? I couldn't even tell you. I just. I think I don't even I don't know what the word "moot" means. I just know the phrase "moot point" means what it means. Like it's just it's it's a oh it's, it's, my god. So James is watching the
0: AFC oh Championship game right now. Three seconds. Three seconds left. Chiefs kicker Harrison Butker. What a name. He just field goal from way out. Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Like, at three seconds left, it's done. They are pumped. Damn, dude. I wanted Joe Burr going back to the Super Bowl, claiming his title. Oh, dude, that's so far. Wow. Okay. All right. Oh, I can't keep watching that. Oh, my God. What a how do you even kick it like that, dude? Imagine being a football kicker. That's like one of the coolest positions in sports. You just come in and be so clutch out of the blue. All of a sudden, that's your job to just walk in and be clutch. That is nuts. What a crazy, just what a crazy thing. That's so cool. All right. Well, back to hockey. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is a hockey podcast, but you know, I, it is a hockey podcast, but it is a sports podcast. So, like, when there's big storylines in other sports, there's going to be times when I do bring them up. And there's going to be times when you bring them up. That's just how it is. Like, we talked we we talked World Cup when it was going on, too. It is what it is. Um, there's one last thing on football. I am not a huge football fan. I just like the big games and storylines. I know I said that off the top, but... I love watching the Super Bowl. You make a bunch of snacks. You have a bunch of friends over. Probably some drinks. You make some fancy cocktails. Uh, the the one time we did the the drink from the Tech Nine song, we did Caribou Lou. That was a mess. Uh, next thing I know, my uh, um, my two friends are laughing in the bathroom. Quick little story time here. The two of my good friends are laughing in the bathroom, and uh, I walk in, and they dropped a massive container of Epsom salts and they blew up everywhere in the bathroom. And the one guy's laying in the tub and the other one's sitting on the floor and they're just cackling. They're just losing it. And there's Epsom salts everywhere, all over the walls, the floor, the sink, the bathtub, everywhere. It's on the, it's on the ceiling. And I was just like, I, I, I have no words for this. I don't know what to do here. So I turned around, I closed the door and I walked out. Uh, that that's that's kind of what I expect from a Super Bowl—just some funny stuff, some good food, some good company, you know.
1: Yeah, social event as much of a, as much as it is a sporting event.
0: Exactly. But back to hockey again. Um, yeah. Uh, there's, attempt two.
1: Is what's that? Is an attempt two at, the, at the, the 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 writing of the ship per se? I love a good tangent. I never
0: would have made a good ship captain. <laughs> um, What's yeah, that it's not over there. Yeah. Uh, no, it's neither here nor there. But, yeah, so there's a few injuries in the NHL I want to talk about. Uh, I'll start it off with Avalanche captain Gabriel Landeskog. There's an update a few days ago. Um, damn near a week ago, almost. But he, uh, his recovery from, I believe it was an orthoscopic knee surgery, something like that. I'm not a doctor, but there's some some word along those lines. Whatever he had, whatever surgery it was, and uh, yeah, his recovery is not going as fast as they thought. He's supposed to start skating after the All Star break. The guy is a true competitor, a great leader, and one hell of a player. And like with him out and and consistently in and out of the lineup, it's uh, those two have been a driving force very much missing from the abs offense and uh I don't know they're gonna have to keep winning games without him it's just it's just gonna happen and I think with that injury taking longer than it was supposed to with that recovery taking longer than it was supposed to I feel like he's gonna have some really tough rust to shake off when he comes in Getting that knee to move right, getting that stride back. And he's such a physical player. He's a true power forward. So I think it's gonna be a bit. I think he's gonna be primed and ready to go by playoffs. I just, I just hope. I hope to whatever higher power is out there. I got my fingers crossed that he doesn't re-aggravate it. Cause uh we've seen a couple of re-aggravations of injuries and re-injuries lately, and those are those are tough. You got any thoughts on the Landis recovery at all?
1: Yeah. You got to just cross your fingers that it is going to be, you know, 100% by the playoffs, both for his sake and the sake of the Colorado avalanche uh, Colorado, you know, it, it's been, it's kind of been that kind of a season for them. It was the Vegas Golden Knights last year that were the, you know, the, the injury bug team that really couldn't catch a break. And it is very much Colorado this season. Um, but to me, I think we might've said this in the podcast last week to me, as long as they finish in a in the second wild card spot or above, they're going to be a contender. You just hope they can get there so that when Landis Scott comes back, he can really contribute to that run again.
0: Hundred percent, and uh, yeah, I don't know. There's there's just a couple injuries around the league that keep grabbing me. The next one I wanted to bring up was Mark Stone mark stone there was a storyline at the start of the year or in the summer that he had like a, a growth or like a thing or a bone or something like taken out of his back and it was disgusting like it was bad he had a really rough back injury and some something in there was not good and they had to remove it and he's been in and out of the lineup a bit this year like he'll play a couple games consistently and mark stone's a hell of a hockey player like when you think hockey player that's that's the the style that you picture. Just like rough and tough, talented, not too showy, kind of a stoic kind of leader, true competitor, a snap show when he needs to be, can take over a game if necessary, help contribute in everywhere. The guy's one of the best two-way forwards in the league. He's damn near a power forward, solid shot. Like he's, he's everything you need. And uh, he's a massive piece for that Vegas Golden Knights team. And yeah, it came out that, He has another back injury. It's not the same injury, but it's serious. And I was really, really put off when the article I was reading said, it's unrelated to the previous injury. I was like, we're talking about his back. Everything's connected. You screw something up in your back, the other parts of your back are going to have to overcompensate. The other parts are going to be aggravated. You're going to tweak other things. So for them to say it was unrelated, no dude the guy has had back injuries on back injuries and you just got to hope that like hope that he's okay because i saw something unconfirmed that he could be out till playoffs he might not even come be able to come back for playoffs i just i just feel sorry for the guy that that's when the injuries start to take a a mental toll on you you know
1: yeah and i you know it's 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 really sad but i think we're starting to kind of get to the point with him where it, it might be, it might kind of be the the kind of Ryan Ellis category of player where it's just going to kind of be one too many injuries, unfortunately. And you know, we don't we don't know what this one really is. We don't know the severity yet, but it's it's like you said, it's it's just another one on top of all the other ones he's already had. And and you said it already. Like he going into last season, I would have, without a doubt, called him the head and shoulders the best two way. Winger in the NHL and and some other players have kind of, you know, stepped into that conversation since then. But Stone Stone was <laughs> Stone was almost the first of his kind in that category, right? Like you you didn't really see wingers play defense before him. Like it was it was very much uh, the the selkie conversation was very much a center's trophy. Not that it isn't still, but you know, and you're I know your you're going to say but Valer- so I- Valeri Nichushkin. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Valerian Nichushkin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, him
0: too. Yeah, he's a. Yeah. Scuff, but yeah, but... Yuri Lettinen won the Selkie.
1: What That's... year was that?
0: Uh, it's worth looking up. But uh, while you're looking it up, I'll I'll uh, I'll just kind of I'll put a bow on it. Yeah, he's he's just a stellar defensive player, and um, Landis Garb plays really good defense too. So you know, the Abs have two of those guys. Just so you know, whatever. But. um <laughs> Yeah, well, well you...
1: Landeskog, yeah Landeskog, that's kind of what I mean. Is is he he's he's in that category of wingers now. Yeah, you're right because Letten and the last one he won was O two three, um. So, um, kudos to you for for remembering that. But there was uh there was not a, a physically impossible for me to have recalled <laughs> that in my lifetime. Um, uh... but yeah, still stands. Stone is is. Obviously, in in many ways, a superstar, and, and you just got to cross your fingers that a return is is closer than it is farther away.
0: So, Aiden, before I go into this next topic, I'm going to ask you a quick question. When you see that a player has hit 1,000 games, what are your first thoughts?
1: I, com- I mean, it's completely situation-dependent, right? If it's a player that... You know, like I, I, obviously I know I know where you're going with this because John Tavares is playing his thousandth game tonight, and it that one made me feel old <laughs> because he's he's he might be the first player that I vividly remember watching in the World Juniors that is now hitting um, a thousand games in the NHL. So that <laughs> that specifically is really making me, yeah, that <laughs> that's making me feel old. Um, next year's World Juniors, I think or it might've been this year's either this year or next year's world juniors is going to be the first time that there's going to have been no players in the tournament or it will it would have been impossible for a player my age or older to play in the tournament um which is that's making me kind of feel that as well that feel that like oh my god like i'm 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 never gonna watch um for 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 the rest of my life I'm gonna watch a world Juniors where the players are younger than me, which is a bizarre thought so j t it's it's much like that where it's like, wow, I've literally watched this player's career from his first game all the way to game one thousand, which is I can't say that about a lot of guys
0: I just have to say
1: uh it stops
0: getting weird after like three years there's three years of like uh they're all younger than me now and then after that you're just like oh okay whatever it, it's, it's well, gone
1: even just this is my 4th year working for a junior hockey team in some capacity and it is the last year that there are players my age or older on the team <laughs> it's all the all the all the the O2s that are aging out this year will be the last group of it and next year will be my first year it took me 5 years of working in junior hockey to to, <laughs> to be older than all of the players but next year will be the first year of that
0: yeah and i i guess the, the reason i brought up this conversation is because when I see a thousand games, when I see John Taveras just hit a thousand games, it's awesome. What a career. What a milestone. But I feel like players are making it to a thousand games so much more often now. If you look at uh this is just like an observation that I've made. I don't know how accurate it is. But if you look at rosters in like the late 90s, early early 2000s, there are so many guys who would fight their way up from the minors. You had the enforcers wouldn't really hit a thousand games. You had um, less teams, so there's more con- uh, competition for those roster spots. Um, there was just it seemed like a bigger milestone when I was younger. Uh, like say it's like 2012, 2013. I see a player's hit a thousand games. I was like, whoa, that's a lot. But now I feel like we're we're seeing so many guys just sneaky hit a thousand games. It's just it's happening so much more often. Like it just I don't have a bunch of supporting facts and players for that. But I think what we've seen like Josh Bailey, Travis Zajak, guys like that play a thousand recently. Um Phil. Like Phil just hit a thousand. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, there's so many players, it just keeps happening. I feel like we're getting like like, between three and ten every year, it feels like,
1: yeah, I know what you mean, like, and again, you know, like i i it's 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 tough to it's tough to really even hypothesize a reason as to why, but um i i I do know where you're coming from, and at the end of the day, it's it's i i it's nothing but a good thing, right? It's not the the players' careers are are longer. they're they're managing to to hit those milestones, no injuries, right? Like, you know, JT has obviously had injuries in his career, but not ones that have really had him miss a long amount of time. Like the most notable one was in the 2014 Olympics and he, he obviously missed the rest of that season, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't something that, you know, hindered his career in in a very significant way. Um, yeah, it's good for John Tavares, you know, like (laughs) 2014 Olympic gold medal, (laughs) You know, in a, in a tournament that he was injured, I believe in the quarterfinals. So you know, that's that's probably his crowning achievement of his career. Um, hitting a thousand NHL games is probably number two if you don't count the World Juniors. So, you know, um, I guess you just kind of have to cross your fingers that it's it's a thousand and and even more for JT.
0: Damn right, couldn't agree more. Yeah, that's really all I have to say on that. I just, I just kind of started the thought came to my mind when I saw a thousand games and it wasn't a thought I had before. So I thought it was kind of significant, but moving on, there's a player I want to talk about a player who is absolutely phenomenal for the league. He is such a good personality for the NHL. In my opinion, Uh, I want to talk about Jack Hughes. This guy is ninth in the league in points, fifth in goals. He's got 64 points, 33 goals, 31 assists in 49 games. And then the one of the big ones for me, he's a plus 16. I like to see that. I know the team is better defensively. I know plus minus can be like a somewhat irrelevant stat sometimes, but I think that's worth noting because I'm not going to say he was atrocious defensively before, but like he, he need, like I'm not saying he's great defensively now, but like you're just seeing so much more of a confidence with the puck. Like as soon as he came into the league, it was like, Okay, this guy's gonna have some crazy offensive numbers soon. Eventually, I don't know when it's gonna start, but he will. Uh, I kind of think like Tim Stutzle, like he's on the same path that career arc. Um, very, very similar level of player in my eyes, but I think Jack's probably just a little bit higher. Um, yeah, um, it's just the kind of thing where now that we've spent our whole lives watching hockey, watching a superstar develop in front of your eyes personality playing style um like compete level skill level everything put it all together just the the total package of player yeah he's not super physical i i I honestly wonder if maybe he might get like a little bit stocky late in his career as he comes into more of like a prime years late 20s body but he he is the style of player he is and he probably will be that his whole career it's just it's incredible watching how good Jack Hughes has got. Like, I understand he was first overall pick for a reason, and he was a fairly highly touted first overall pick as well. Um, I just think he's so damn good for the league. Like, uh, you and I both listen to 32 Thoughts. That's no secret. We've talked about it before. Um, I have fallen off a little bit. I actually haven't listened to a lot of podcasts the, uh, the last, this past month. Uh, just, fitting them into my work schedule has been different than usual. But regardless, uh, Jack Hughes preseason interviews the last couple of years with 32 thoughts. So cool. So cool. You want to hear him talk because he seems fairly open minded and he just like he's just speaking his mind. He's just he's the kind of guy that will put his thoughts on paper kind of thing. And uh, he's the kind of guy that I could see if there's another lockout in the NHL or some big controversy, he's the kind of guy that I could see speaking out as he gets a little bit older. Because he's just that kind of person, from what I can tell. And I've met him before too. Awesome guy. Very personable. You could tell like even though he's a, a superstar in the making, didn't have a huge uh like a showboaty ego about it. He was just chill. He was a nice guy. And uh yeah, I can't wait to keep watching him succeed. And I think He's the type of guy that like you add a Stanley cup to his resume kind of thing. At some point in his future, that, that would be awesome to see. He's the kind of guy that I would really cheer for the kind of guy I want to see win. I don't know. What are your thoughts on him? I've, uh, I've been off on a bit of a rant so far. I've been doing that like once per episode and I've been having a lot of fun with it.
1: <laughs> um, I've definitely kind of turned around on him when he first entered the league. Um, and obviously he like he was a first overall pick straight in so which and and he's he is a he's he's a May birthday which means he would have been i 18 years old when he entered the league um would have been 18 years old for the entirety of his first season of course until May um and so that explains what i'm about to say but when i watched him play he seemed very easily rattled like something wouldn't go right for him and then the next shift he would play you could tell it was on his mind and he was you know he was desperately trying to not have that happen again um i don't want to use the term mentally weak about an 18 year old but if he was 25 and I was seeing that, I would definitely have used the word mentally weak. He just he didn't seem like his head was ever really properly in the game. And I think what you alluded to, the confidence of Jack Hughes is huge. And he is building and building and building off that to become what you said, superstar. He, he very much is already a superstar. We've watched him develop into it. Um, I, one of the games that I was in Vancouver to watch this year was uh, the New Jersey Devils and he played awesome. And I think I mentioned it on a podcast around then. Like he he looks like a different player from the first time you watched him play. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I it was either the last episode during the World Juniors that we did or the first episode after the World Juniors that we did. And we talked about Connor Bedard. And I said about Bedard that I was happy and I was excited. And I was very pleased with the fact that this guy is going to be the face of Canadian hockey for so many years to come. Um, I think if you're an American, you want Jack Hughes to be the face of Hockey USA. You talk about players as vibes. I can't think of a player with a better vibe than him to be the face of US hockey.
0: I completely agree because, like, you got your like. Yes, Matthews might be a better player for sure. Like he he is a better player. It's it, it is what it is. He's he's a he's a a clean cut top five. It's a fact. Um, but. Like I say that. And when I think about it, like, I think he's like number five, you know, like, like, it's Oh the-
1: man. Like <laughs> do we have to quickly last- do this? Well, end of last season, 60 goals and whatever it was 75 games on the Hart trophy in the off season. I absolutely would agree with you. Not that he's been bad this year, but right off the top of my head, McDavid, McCarr, McKinnon, dry That's immediately bang, bang, bang. Um, I don't think I would struggle to, to come up with a fifth name. Um It's, yeah, it's, it's That's it's why I tough. put him at five,
0: because those four come before.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, I, no, I, I think
0: you're right. Oh, actually, it's, you it's... know what? I, I think I still take Crosby over Matthews.
1: Yeah, and that's not, that's not going to be the case for much longer, but I probably agree with you. Um... Last year I even might I think Shistjerkin had a bigger impact on his team's game than Austin Matthews did last season. Shistjerkin oh. hasn't quite been the same this year, but I there's a case to be made in my opinion for Andre Vasilevsky to be top five as well. Yeah. Um so I'm not again, I'm <laughs> I winced when you said that. I'm not saying he's he's he wasn't or he won't be. I'm just saying saying clear cut, no doubt. He's a clear-cut, no doubt, top ten for sure. Matthews is um saying top five is is pushing the envelope a little bit I think um but Jack Hughes like yeah you're you're I think I think you're right Jack Hughes is to me not as good of an all-around player as Austin Matthews but he's a better face he is a better face and I was going to say for no other reason than how good Matthews has been defensively and Jack Hughes is just not near that level in his own zone um but if you look offensively this season Austin Matthews, 25 goals and 53 points in 47 games. Jack Hughes, 33 goals and 64 points in 49 games. Uh-huh. That is more goals. That is more points. <laughs> and in my opinion, New Jersey has been better than Toronto this year. Now, again, I, I, I maintain, I think Matthews, you know, it, it's it's not a bad season from him. And you saw what he did last year. And even the year before in the Canadian division, he was he was you know he was the best player not named Connor McDavid in that division head and shoulders bar none um but <laughs> you said it better face to me for sure um i don't know what it is and it's
0: not just cuz he's better looking
1: that uh, yeah no for sure that <laughs> i wouldn't that have ever fact. i wouldn't have ever said that or even had that thought but you say that out loud i'm like no he definitely is <laughs> yeah um, but, you know, and I I know the cases there for it to be Trevor Ziegris, even. And we talked about Trevor Ziegris already. Um, I'm 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 you know, Trevor Ziegris, I respect the skill. I definitely think a player like that belongs in the league, you know, somebody with all the talent in the world who's just content with going out there and, and absolutely, you know, just putting that skill on display every night and using it to his team's advantage. I'm not the biggest Ziegris fan in the world. Um he, just you know, dating back to even his 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 days as a teenager and junior, just you know, we talk about liking Jack Hughes's vibe, never like Zegers's vibe. Um, so yeah, anyways, all all that back to the the fact that I I I think you know McDavid's the face of Canada hockey now. It was Crosby. It's going to be Bedard. I think for the U.S. to have Jack Hughes as that guy, it's 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 good. It's good. It's good for them.
0: Well, Aiden, I think that's probably just as good of a time as any to move over to junior
1: yeah Uh, okay so well actually before we do that
0: um that was such a fun little hughes matthews comparison debate like that's not one that i've had before but that's one that i want to keep having in the future as things go on i think that's pretty cool
1: i i i I think you can't like like you can't, I can't entertain Hughes being better than Matthews yet, I'm sorry. No, like, I, I can't either, yeah, and so yeah, just
0: like I couldn't entertain uh, Jonathan Taves's peak being better than Crosby at, uh, at that time. But it was a debate that was brought up because they had comparable achievements.
1: No, for sure. And honestly, hey, to be completely real with you, you know, when I absolutely will start to really entertain Hughes over Matthews debates if Jack Hughes plays a game in the second round before Austin Matthews does, which I think is going to happen this year. Bang, bang, (laughs) bang! all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden somebody's succeeding when it matters, right? (laughs) He's, he'd be the the first, bro. Trust me. Yeah. He'd be the first of the two of them to succeed when it mattered. (laughs) Um, But you know, not yet, not yet,
0: (laughs) but yeah, let's, let's let you, uh, let's hear the scouting report. I know you, uh, you had fun of the game. I know you got okay. some Zach Benson to talk about. Let's hear it.
1: Okay, so I went, I watched Braden Jaeger, Nate Danielson, and now Zach Benson. I'm gonna watch Bedard on Tuesday. Benson's my favorite by far over Jaeger, over Danielson. I like honestly, James. Like, obviously, I want Vancouver to get the best player possible. I think there are five players in this draft better than Zach Benson. They are named Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson, Matvey Vimichkov, and Edward Shala. If I have sixth, I'm taking Benson. I'm passing Will Smith. Uh, Zach Benson, he is such a good player. Like he, you know, I, I have all these notes like, and, and it was right off the drop. First three shifts, first shift, his line scores, <laughs> minute 28. And he didn't factor in on the goal, but he he got the offensive entry, goes to the front of the net, causes the screen that causes the rebound. <laughs> And then they and it was McLenan who scored on the rebound. The second shift he draws a penalty, and then the third shift, again that was the power play, and again his zone entry just just so effortless for him to get in the zone and get something set up. And then you watch him play as the game goes on. His best asset by far is his hockey IQ. His movement off the puck is exactly what his team and his line needs. It's exactly when they need it. Um, and I know you said we've compared too many guys to Braden Point. I got that vibe from him, but you know, as the game went on, this is going to be, this is a Canucks one. The two or three seasons that Alexander Burroughs was at his best that he ever could be. Benson's movement off the puck reminded me of Burroughs' movement off the puck. The way Alex Burrows played with the Sedians and was always in the right place at the right time. Benson kind of gave me that vibe, like he was very much like, you know, he, and he was, you know, like he's driving the line. He's driving the bus into the offensive zone. He hands the puck off. He's not, he's never puck watching the second that puck leaves his stick. He's moving into the next spot, right? He's always going, he's, he's never gliding. He's never switched off on the ice. And going into this season, I know one of the knocks on him was like, Oh, he has to improve his defensive game. He plays on both special teams. He's playing power play. He's playing penalty kill. He's reading the play very well. Whenever he's on the PK, he's, Every time he's on the ice, he's creating chances, including on the PK, he created a shorthanded chance on one of the penalty kills. And the other thing I like to see, he, um, Rebels for Ben King lined up. I think it was Matthew Savoy. It might've been, might've been the other line of There's McLennan, but he came off the bench and he, he got him with a pretty good hit and Benson must've not liked it. Cause he stood up for his teammate and he, you know, not afraid to drop the gloves, he got into a fight with King. So, You know, I I, like I said, like everybody I've watched, I I think next week I'll be talking about Connor Bedard. Obviously is the best player I've watched in the WHL this year because he he will be. But until I watch Bedard, it's Zach Benson. He was very good. And, you know, like I said, James, like I want the Canucks to get the best player possible. But if they get sixth and they take Benson, I'm not gonna complain.
0: Yeah, totally fair. Like, you can't really understate that. And it's going to be a damn good player at six. Like, that's not bad at all. And like I said, it's uh, one of those things where, I, I didn't say it now, but I said it recently, like, it's going to be a very, very important building block piece. And he's the kind of guy that could be that.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. Totally. Um, the other player that I was watching in that game, Red Deer, have a player named Callan Lind, uh, ranked anywhere between thirty-one and sixty-four um, in the in the big board drafts. Number twenty-three among North American skaters by Central Scouting. Um, this is a guy to kind of watch for in the second round. I think James, like he is, he's <laughs> he's got a specific set of tools that I haven't really seen in a prospect in a while. It's it's you know I I he's not dirty. So I'm not going to call him Brad Marchand, but he's always involved. He's always involved in the chippiness. He's always involved in the corners. He's always involved in front of the net. Maybe I'll call him Brendan Gallagher. He's a little bit like Brendan Gallagher, not just in the, the net front presence and the the tenacity on the forecheck, but it's puck retrieval from Lim that I love. Every time he's standing in front of that net, if the puck goes anywhere underneath the hash marks and he's the only guy down there, he is dogging after that puck. Even if he's behind the play, he is the motor on Calvin Lynn never stops running. And if you're if, if somebody's listening to this and they are recognizing that name, Lind, um, at the CHL Top Prospects game, he was one of the ones that got into a fight as well. So you can kind of see that competitive spirit of his that just it's it's never gonna run out. And and yeah, again, I talked about Benson. If if Vancouver happens to get, you know. The 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 sixth worst record in the league. They have sixth overall, then they have 38. And they take Benson and Lind. I'm loving that.
0: <laughs> Is that where Lind projected or at least second round?
1: Yeah, anywhere between 31 and 64 was the the consensus I saw different outlets. Wow. He's 23rd by North American uh, by North American skaters, right? So you're gonna have all the Europeans that are gonna step in and obviously be above him because Central Scouting doesn't do one list. It's a North American skaters and European skaters.
0: That's an interesting, uh, interesting range. That's it that could be anywhere.
1: It's pretty much the entirety of the second round, right? Um, huh. And that's the projection anywhere in the second round.
0: Wow. Like, I feel like if I was predicting it, it's like, okay, early, mid or late second round, you know?
1: Yeah, no, totally. And it's it's a pretty wide range. But that's kind of what happens once you get to, you know, once you get past the, even past the top 15, 20, you start to see guys really have that range of range of projections. Like my, you know, I, I know I've said this to you before. um, My cousin was picked second round by Tampa 60, I guess it would have been 62nd overall in 2020. It was the last pick of the second round at the time. Now, of course there are 64 picks in the first two rounds, but um, yeah, Gage, he was projected really. He was a, I think he was graded C initially by central scouting which p- projects to a third to fifth round pick and then i think his final ranking was in the you know late third to early fifth round and tampa must have loved something about him took him with their last pick of the second round so that's kind of what i mean is you're you're gonna see guys hey, with- you
0: haven't mentioned him on here before what's his last name Where uh, he What's up?
1: yeah gage gonzalves um from mission Mich- i'm from maple ridge he was from mission which is just one town over um yeah cousin on my mom's side he's Currently playing with the Syracuse Crunch, and he's playing very well. Eight goals in 40 games. Doesn't look great as a four, but he's got 29 points, and he's on pace to smash his career high in points in the AHL in his rookie year last year at 32 in 70 games. Yeah, he was picked 60-second overall in 2020. Um, he came from the Fraser Valley Thunderbirds in BCEHL, Everett Silvertips. Um, yeah, he's I really like watching him play. He's a great player, and, yeah, it's exciting that he's having success at such a high level.
0: Well, that's actually kind of a fun little double entendre of a of a bridge because he uh he got drafted, moved his way out of the junior, and and uh, we're at the point in our podcast where we are going to move our way out of junior to some some randomness. Aiden, you've got an interesting take. Uh, I want to hear. Is it.
1: it interesting? There's no, no way. I feel like it's pretty common. No, there's no way. Like I can't even. Oh. <laughs> I, well, I, I want. Talk I about want what somebody... you're going to talk about. I know. I want somebody to to. to okay, so if you're so what networks james espn is definitely one of them um
0: bally's the one that just went yeah. bankrupt or yeah
1: like, so yeah. espn and bally's it's these broadcast animation graphics that are going on the players it's a little name bar and the number above the player's head and then the puck has the little trail on it i know they did this like a long time ago james i don't remember when they tried this for the first time but they got rid of it for good reason because it sucks <laughs> i don't know like i i hate it i can't even it's hard for me to actually put into words how much i hate that little stupid trail on the puck and I, again i don't even i don't even like the the name bar above the head like again turn the volume up i i promise you I promise you, from a play-by-play commentator, the play-by-play guy is going to say the guy's goddamn name. You don't need this floating box going around the ice. Like, if I'm watching a game on TV, I obviously am listening to the commentary. But aside from the commentary, I just want to watch the game as if I'm even there, right? Like, it's 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 the product, and I, you know, like what other sport <laughs> has something following around the primary subjects of the game, right? Like. I, the only thing I can think of that it's a remote comparison two things number 1 um in baseball the strike zone is usually uh, assisted with a with an animation on on the on the broadcast and then in football the first down line is a broadcast animation as well um and again maybe it's just because I I'm I'm a hockey guy and I'm not a baseball or a football guy I I get those I why those exist I get why those are valuable I have nothing to say in the support of these things james i don't even i i i hate them i I never want to see it again
0: (laughs) well i'll be honest i kind of half tuned out a little bit of that rant because i already heard it earlier like before we recorded so it was like all right i'm just gonna hop in when he finishes um the 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 puck shadow is something that a lot of people really liked back when ESPN originally did hockey and um, it's it doesn't look the same as it used to, even though I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be the exact same. It something just seems off with it. I don't really know how I feel about it. I don't really like ESPN's broadcast in general. Uh, I like Sportsnet and I like TNT. Uh, TNT is great. TNT is phenomenal. I love it. Um. They TNT just does an incredible job. Uh just showmanship, entertainment value. Um, it's just a lot more loose. It's just it's just better. ESPN's just kind of eh. I don't know, it's just not doing it for me. Um they've really like tried to have like the stern guy and the kind of slightly entertaining guy. And like their panel just doesn't do it for me at all. Um I don't know. Their broadcast doesn't look fantastic to me either. I think it's just like, it's too like blend the old school with the new school. Why, why can't you just find a spot, you know? But yeah, uh, the Puck Shadow is something people liked before. Um, I think at that time it was like early, mid 2000s kind of thing. And stuff like that was a little, probably a little bit more just innovative. And also, think about what TVs looked like. Okay, that puck shadow was helpful because a lot of people had big boxy garbage TVs with the resolution of a potato. So that puck shadow was pretty useful. But now we're watching everything in 4K.
1: I was going to say that I was going to say, like, you know, you and I (laughs) have broadcast diplomas. We know what the quality of those cameras they have in those sports arenas are. You know, we work for teams. We see them. Right. Like I, I, I can pitch your mind in black vaults. I know what the zoom quality is. Cause I've used it before. You don't need a puck shadow. Like again, if, if by all means, if you need, if you need a, if you need a prescription glasses and you, you, you lost them, I get, maybe you need a puck shadow. If that's not the case, why does it exist? And A prescription you
0: know, I, puck shadow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like literally. And I said this to you earlier, I said at least, um, at least when the NFL did that, you know, that whole broadcast for children thing, they had the courtesy to put it on Nickelodeon. So the adults wouldn't have to watch the end zone get slimed when somebody scored a touchdown. I, you know, I know it's not to the same extent. I kind of have the same attitude towards this as I did towards that. It's like, you know, if you need it, go watch Nickelodeon. I'm sorry. Like, you know, and, and it's just, even the even the players names it's just it's so distracting to me and maybe this is also maybe my animosity towards this i'm i'm harboring some some feelings that i had towards the digital ads on the scoreboards too because i really didn't like those as uh, either um for no other reason than if you're gonna put something on national broadcast you should make sure it works first which they didn't (laughs) um so you know like again i it's Fine if it works, but the fact that they did something so unnecessary and then it still didn't work properly. That's when I was like, screw that. So again, it's just this year in broadcasts in an, in the NHL, I've seen more just either malfunction, something not working, or just something that is completely unnecessary in every sort of capacity that I'm just, you know, I just want to watch the hockey game, please, please. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I feel you. Um I don't think I really have anything more on that, do you?
1: No, just this is a this is my cry to any sort of person that could possibly make a decision on that. Please get rid of it and lock it in a box and throw it in the middle of the ocean and never Don't watch ESPN. I don't watch ESPN. No, I, I I don't. I don't either. I just Again, if if ESPN does it and there's enough likings of it, I just don't want it to get to sportsnet, right? I don't want to get to the point where it's literally the only option I have when watching hockey is to have to endure that and that's what I want to avoid.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think you're going to be able to avoid it. I don't really think it's coming back everywhere like it's 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 their thing, you know? Like that that's their it's their chocolate bar. I don't like that kind of chocolate it's bar. It's
1: Bali too, Bali, which I I didn't think I didn't think I could have more of a beef with something on their broadcast, except for that absolutely abhorrent score bug on the bottom. I hate that too. It's terrible. It's probably the worst one I've ever seen on an NHL broadcast. Um, but they've one upped it with John Klingberg's name floating above his head as he skates around Ranaheim. Um, Yeah. Bali, if you're gonna if you're gonna keep broadcasting NHL games, don't think you are. But if you happen to fix your score bug and get rid of that, please, ESPN, get rid. I love ESPN score bug. If we're talking about score bugs, love it. It's so nice. Um, I've never.
0: I I don't usually hear people say the word score bug.
1: Well, I, again, me having the job I do, that's what it's called. It's because I've you know, I've had to build those graphics before, <laughs> Um, and the last one I made was kind of model on ESPN's. I liked it. I like it so much. Um, but yeah, score bug, sorry, is the thing on your broadcast that is telling you what the score and the time of the game are. Um, you know, different networks have different ones. Networks often change them. I like Sportsnet's new one a lot now, too. Um, simple, clean cut. Um, but yeah, as somebody who is very frequently spending <laughs> my work days on Adobe Photoshop, I can appreciate some good and some bad graphic design.
0: Well, you know why they call it a score bug, right? There's actually some really interesting history behind it. Go. Uh, So back in the days of the original first sports broadcast, they took a bunch of dried up dead bugs and they filled them into stencils uh, so that they could frame out what it would be. And then they'd switch the stencil over so that it fills up the other part of the number so the number could change.
1: I don't even know if I believe you
0: yeah, I wouldn't. I just made that up,
1: okay. yeah. I was like there's <laughs> no way that's true, James. <laughs> yeah I actually I well. was gonna be concerned for you because I was like, dude, whoever told you that like is lying <laughs> to you and you need to you need to you definitely need to reassess who you're surrounding yourself with if somebody told that to you and then allowed you to believe it.
0: <laughs> I am pretty gullible, but I wouldn't believe that no I'd <laughs> be supporting evidence no well. It's time time for me to use this corny phrase again. It wouldn't be the great Canadian hockey podcast without a couple of great games to play. What do you got for me, Aiden? What do you got?
1: Well, yeah, we were on the phone before this, kind of just debriefing, and you asked for something a little bit easier, so I obliged. Um, you are you are. Oh, little... you
0: expose me like that.
1: <laughs> well, I I because again, it's an easy, medium, hard thing, and I don't want. I don't want it to seem like I think these are of medium and hard difficulty because, I and with that being said, two of them are Canucks ones because I I also was doing this ten minutes before we started this and I was kind of rushing to find um, these questions. Um, but you are better at finish that trade than you are at career trajectories historically. Not just on this podcast, but the countless hours we spent at BCIT just swapping hockey trivia questions. You always. You always both were better at this when I asked you, and you also were better at like coming up with them on the spot for me when you were asking me questions. Um, so we've got three. Two of them, both medium and hard, are trades between the same two teams. This first one has neither of those two teams involved. Um, so I'll I'll go. This is this is my easy one. Trade made on June 27th, 2014. So obviously, I will give you the day of the trade, the two teams involved, and every piece of the trade except for one, and you have to tell me what that missing piece is. So this trade, June 27th, 2014, the Nashville Predators acquire this player and Nick Spalling in exchange for James Neal, who was sent to the Pittsburgh Penguins.
0: Patrick Hornquist. Yes. Power play whiz Patrick Hornquist.
1: Yes. Stanley Cup champion, not once, but twice. Patrick Mm -hmm. Hornquist. Last pick in the 2005 draft, which was interesting. Still getting
0: paid damn well. You love to see it. Yeah,
1: yeah, he is. Last pick of the 2005 draft. Spent time on a line in Pittsburgh with Sidney Crosby, who was the first pick of the 2005 draft. That's a fun little piece of trivia I like. Okay, so the next two trades are both between the Vancouver Canucks and the Florida Panthers. First one, on May 25th, 2016, the Florida Panthers acquired Jared McCann, a round two pick in the 2016 draft that turned into Rasmus Asplund, and a round four pick in the 2016 draft that turned into Jonathan Ang, in exchange for a round five pick in the 2016 draft, and this player.
0: This player is a rugged right-handed defenseman who was drafted high, and he got paid this summer. Daryl Sutter played him in the right situation in Calgary last year, and he got paid. Uh, probably the worst contract of the summer, maybe, maybe,
1: uh, pretty damn close, if not. Was, was it
0: four times four?
1: Oh, I think it was more than that, dude. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I think it was a four times four. This player is Eric Goodbranson.
1: It was a four times four. Okay, I thought it might have been four or five. Um, no, yeah, it was a four by four for Goodbranson. Uh, yeah, it was awful in Vancouver. <laughs> um. <laughs> As much as I dislike Tanner Pearson, Vancouver still fleeced Pittsburgh in that trade. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And they gave away Jared McCann for pretty much something close to nothing, which is, you know, in hindsight, Jared McCann has turned into a very good goal scorer, which when you watched him in Vancouver, you could see that he was going to do that. Uh, Everybody except for the guy who traded him clearly could see that he was going to be that, but you know, here we are. He's a Seattle Kraken. So the last trade again, between yet again, the Vancouver Canucks and the Florida Panthers, um, I knew the first two would be cakewalks for you, so I made this one a little bit tougher. It's definitely one that I would get just because I'm a Canucks fan, but this this one's this one's on the harder side, at least of the first two. Um, and part of it is because of how long ago it was. So this is almost it's over eleven years ago. This trade, it was made on October. Wait, wait, wait
0: before you even ask the question, is it Michael Grabner?
1: No, it's not. That's not a bad guess, though. It's not a bad guess because. Yeah, you know what? You're right, because Grabner was traded from Vancouver to Florida, but he never played for Florida. And then he went on to score 34 goals as a rookie with the
0: New York Islanders.
1: At a boy. Well done. I, right. I
0: totally thought you were gonna it was gonna be Michael Grabner, and I was gonna get it before you even
1: said the trade. I, I would have been pretty upset. Okay. October the twenty-second, twenty eleven. The Florida Panthers acquire Marco Sturm and Mikhail Samuelson from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for Steven Reinprett. A round three pick in 2013 that turned into Cole Cassells and this David player at a boy. Well done. Nailed it. As,
0: as soon as you said Samuelson, I was like, I already know what this is. Yeah,
1: good job. Is yeah, no, easy. you you are you are on it with those, man. You were on it with those.
0: Okay, all right. I, I know I asked for mercy. Um, we're gonna use the power of video editing, and I want you to give me a hard one because that was too easy. Okay, we're gonna use the power of video editing to allow Aiden to uh to search up another one,
1: okay, so we're back from a little bit of a break here. <laughs> because I gave James three finish that trades and he was upset because of how easy they were. So (laughs) Uh, I got what I
0: asked for. Oh no.
1: So I'm going to, I'm going to give you. So in this trade, there were three draft picks that ended up being used to take players. I'm going to give you the entire trade. And then what you need to do is tell me who these draft picks turned into. All of them? Um, I I'm gonna ask for two of the three because I definitely think okay. you can get two of the three. Oh, okay, I made so, my
0: bet. now I have to lie in it.
1: Yeah, traded from the Ottawa Senators to the San Jose Sharks. Eric Carlson and Francis Perron traded from the San Jose Sharks to the Ottawa Senators. Josh Norris, Rudolphs Balsers, Chris Tierney, Dylan Demello, and then we're gonna get into the picks. 2019 second rounder 2020 first rounder and 2021 second rounder. Now there was a condition on that first round pick. It could either be taken in 2020 or 2022 and Ottawa elected to use it in 2020. So basically I'm even going to, I'm going to help you out further. I'm going to give you the three picks. So the 2019 second rounder ended up being the 44th overall pick. The 2021 second rounder ended up being the 39th overall pick And the 2020 first rounder ended up being the third overall pick.
0: Well, the third overall pick is Tim Stutzla. Yep. This is where it gets dicey.
1: So if I didn't say that it was third, would you have still got Stutzla? Yeah. Okay, because they picked Sanderson fifth. Yeah. That's where I thought the the wires crossing might occur. No. The fact that they had two in the first five.
0: No. No, I know Jimmy Stu is the guy.
1: Okay. So you and then got, the other
0: picks are what years and what what overall?
1: Uh second rounder 2021 39th, second rounder 2019 44th. One of the two, that's all I'm asking for.
0: Is one of the two Jacob Bernard Docker?
1: No. No, but you know what? That's a really really good guess. <laughs> Because Bernard Docker had his pick traded twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was not in either of those trades. <laughs> um
0: one of the two Shane Pinto.
1: No, no, Pinto okay, was the original I'm set. Out. The 2021 one, which is the one that I had fingers crossed that you were gonna get was Zach Ostapchuk. Oh um, two-time world junior gold medalist. And the other one was Jamison Reese. That was the one that I was going to give you the the pass on because that tr- draft pick was actually traded again from Ottawa. They traded up in the second round to take goaltender Matt Sogard with the 37th pick. So they gave the 44th and a third rounder to Carolina for the 37th. They took Sogard. So, you gave me
0: a tough one. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, upon request. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, no, that was fun. and It was a little bit innovative. You re- You reinvented the wheel there you uh you, you did some cool stuff and you know honestly i think if that was one that was like a mid 2010s trade i think i would have got it
1: yeah i'm going to maybe try that next week is of course your your you're up to bad in terms of pitching me some trivia questions but uh um week after i'm going to i'm going to try and at least sneak one in where you have to like <laughs> you have to name a draft pick where the player like what the player turned into when a draft pick got traded. And I'll I'll do my best to give you one from that era. I used I already to be have
0: mine for you for next week in my head. And I'm going easy, easy, absolutely ridiculous.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, I think, and again, somebody can go back. This is episode 12. So I feel like I'm I'm wrong about this. I'm pretty sure the only one I got flat out wrong was one that you were like, there's no way you're gonna get this. And then I didn't. But I think I've got <laughs> At least the rest of them right, with a hint if necessary. But
0: yeah, I actually didn't ask for a hint. I should have used my hint.
1: Yeah, um, I would have said Canadian World Junior gold medalist for the hint. I don't know if you would have landed on a stop. Joke yeah, would I would
0: have because yeah. I would I would have known it was a recent one.
1: Yeah, and I was like well, oh, a Ottawa been, property could have been the 2019 one, which. Bernard Docker won the gold medal in 2020 as well. Mm-hmm. So that actually wouldn't have eliminated Bernard Docker. I was so uh, sure
0: it was Jacob Bernard Docker. I, he, was he was a first.
1: He was a first. He was 26th.
0: Well, with that, uh,
1: I think I think that's all. You got any parting thoughts? Um, no, I don't think so. Not off the top of my head. Um, yeah, it's Bedard, it's Bedard and Red Deer on Tuesday, so I'll be watching the Regina Pats and Red Deer Rebels face off. First time I'll be watching him in person, which is exciting. And then um and then I personally have two games this weekend. I'm in Calgary with the team on the third and the Calgary Canucks are in Blackfolds on the fourth. So I am back to getting to do some home games, which I miss. <laughs>
0: well, I got one parting thought one that I haven't really talked uh, too much to Aiden about it. That actually just popped into my mind. Um, you know, him and I have uh, kind of had a couple swinging for the fences kind of things, trying to get some pretty cool guests and hasn't worked out quite yet, but uh, we're going to get some for sure. I, uh, but I think that uh, it might be coming to that time where it's worth getting someone we know on, come on and uh, shoot it around, talk a little hockey, talk another sport. Well, we'll get a buddy on and, uh, and bring you some, some banter, switch it up. Right. We got through the first 12 episodes. That's essentially a season of a TV show is 12 episodes. So uh, <laughs> my eyes we're, 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 coming to the peak here uh, coming to the, the uh, we got to, we gotta spice it up a little bit going into one of the next couple episodes. So uh, I don't know if it's gonna be next episode, the one after, maybe the one after that. But expect something interesting. We'll uh, we'll get something cool
1: going. And sorry, last parting thought. The I am I know I talked about it on previous podcast episodes. When we kind of started, there was a lot of feedback rolling in. It was awesome. I know I expressed gratitude for it as the podcast has gone on, and it's 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 been less, which is not a problem at all. But last week I got. A couple very good notes of feedback and i really appreciated them because a couple guys reached out that hadn't either ever reached out about it or hadn't reached out about it recently and the feedback is always appreciated thank you for that hope you enjoyed
0: and without further ado my friends my listeners my co-host aiden sarah our buddy gareth who's gonna be back soon let's roll that outro thanks guys